Good afternoon. I'm going to talk today about the um, five faculties. And so reflect on the five faculties while I find the uh, appropriate sutta. What is the, f does anyone know what the first faculty is? Faith. Faith, okay. Faith or confidence. What's the next one? Effort, okay, right effort. What's the third one? Mindfulness, what's the fourth one? Concentration, what's the fifth one? Wisdom, okay, so we have faith or confidence, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. These are mental qualities to cultivate, faculties. And uh, as soon as I find the Sutta, we'll dig into it. Again, faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Now, the question would be, well, why should I cultivate any of those things? You know, what's the point? What, 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 will, what will the benefit be if I cultivate those qualities of mind? Right? And so this particular sutta is titled Born from Those Who Are Dear. And the story starts out with a householder whose only son died. And after his son's death, he had no desire to work or to eat. He kept going to the burial grounds and crying, my only son, where are you? My only son, where are you? And then the householder went to the blessed one, the Buddha, and after paying homage to him, sat to one side, and the Blessed One said to him, Householder, your faculties are those are not those of one in control of his own mind. Your faculties are deranged. So what this Sutta is teaching us is that by cultivating these qualities, these five faculties, that we will be ha able to handle even the toughest experiences in life. Now, most of us here are parents or were parents. And we can't think of anything tougher to deal with than the, than the death of a child. And what this suit is saying to us is that if we understand something about that experience of reality, we will not suffer. We can be sad, but we will not suffer. We will not be deranged. We will not lose our minds. And so it goes on to explain why these faculties or portions of these faculties enable us to handle, to 
be in harmony with what life gives us, what life offers us. So the Buddha first told the householder that his, he was not in control of his own mind. His faculties were deranged. Five faculties, faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. That there was something askew about the faculties. And this is why he was lamenting and wailing. So the householder said to him, how could I not act this way? My son has died. So he said, you're absolutely right. His words were Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are born by those who are dear. Arise from those who are dear. So now, this expression of teaching has these two levels. The first is, I'll give you what will fix it. I will tell you what will fix it. You are deranged because your son is dead. I'll tell you that your mind is out of whack. Your mind is not balanced. When you don't understand that, when that is something that you can't digest because your grief is just too deep, then he says, well, you're right. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, and despair arises from those who are dear. So he's giving him another way to look at something that will generate wisdom in his understanding of life. So he's saying, I see it all the time. I see it when this mother lost her son, when this father lost his daughter, when this child lost his parent. I see the same despair. So what is this pointing to? Can anyone tell me? How is this helpful? How does this generate wisdom? Okay, that's the point. Yes, comfort. He says, he says, look at this. Not only you go through this, but everybody seems to go through this in the village. And what arises from that realization that this is not personal, that this isn't happening to me only, this is not my burden that I have to bear, but this happened to the guy down the street, the guy down the other in the town. And why is it then that I should expect this not to happen to me? I've accepted it happening to other people. I didn't weep and wail when it happened to them. I was saddened, maybe. I attended the funeral, maybe. But I didn't tear my hair out. I didn't stop eating. So why am I doing it now? Well, I'm doing it now because it's happening to me. It's my son. It's my daughter. It's my parent. It's my partner. But when I have the realization that, well, 
It also happened to them. This is just a part of life. And when I can see it from that point of view, there is a wisdom that's aroused in me that says, this is just another expression of life. This is just another appearance of the impermanence of all things. And therefore, my wisdom becomes clear. My wisdom arises. Do you see? No? Do you really understand this? Question. I feel like I understand the idea of that. Um, but is the implication then that he shouldn't feel as much pain because of it? No, the implication, the wisdom is that my suffering, my derangement, is created because of I'm taking this event as a personal affront to me, that this shouldn't happen to me, that my son shouldn't die. But when I see that other sons die, then I realize that this is a part of life, not a part of a personal vendetta against me, that this is just what happens in life. So it's to understand the pain, but it won't lessen the pain at all, will it? Well, the pain is not created by the experience. The pain is created by my resistance to the experience. The fact that I don't understand why it's happening to me. And I don't like it. And so the pain is caused by me resisting what is happening and occurring. Our acceptance of a reality doesn't change it, doesn't make it different. But what it does, it takes the pain out of it. So it says, well, what do I do now? You know, that happened. The horse ran away. What do I do now? If I stay in a state of non-acceptance of the fact that the horse ran away, I'll still be missing the horse. I'll still be whining because when I want to ride or when I want to plow, the horse isn't there. That's where my attachment and my pain occurs. But when I ask myself, well, what do I do now? Well, either I push the plow myself or I buy another horse. But it's my resistance and attachment to what has already gone away and what has already happened that causes my pain. And when I learn that, when I have that realization, then my wisdom increases because I begin to let go of the insistence that life should be the way I want it to be, that my day should go the way I want it to go. Only children cry about raining when they want the sun to come out, when they want to go out and play, and they're sad and they're crying because it's raining. Grown-ups don't do that because they realize that, well, it's raining. It's raining on you. It's raining on the person next door. 
It's raining on the farmer. They're happy. Only you're not happy because you want to go out and play. But when I understand that this is just a part of what happens in the day, what happens in life, then I begin to understand and accept that this goes with my breathing. This goes with my ability to have relationship. This goes with my ability to walk down the street. This goes with my ability to be an American citizen. That this comes, this is a part of the dues that I have to pay. And I stop getting angry about it. Nobody's punishing me. You know, it's not my child or dad, and all of the other children live to be 92, right? It happens. Children have cancer. Children get hit by cars. Children get abused by people. It's just a part of the reality of life. It's not a good part, but it's just a part. It's what happens. And if I want to be a part of life, then I have to be a part of life. I have to stop fighting what life brings. Life brings me good stuff. Life brings me garbage. When I fight them, I become pained. I become aversion. But when I understand that this is just a part of the tide coming in and the tide going out, I have no resistance to it. I can accept it. That's the wisdom. Okay? I think the... I understand it. I think the, the thing that I struggle with a bit is that, you know, it's this difference between pain and suffering. And, you know, part of this is manufactured because I'm, you know, I'm clinging to something that is impermanent uh, like all things. But then there's also this deep love and compassion which produce which produces a pain, you know, you know, when certain experiences occur, and in some respects, it almost feels like I I see how gaining that wisdom will allow you to not manufacture all this incremental um, suffering, but on the other um, side. You know, I could, I could, I can feel this pain because of this deep loss, and it can cause me to, to really recognize the pain in all others that are that are have lost their children, that have had similar losses, and it's 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 not something I'm manufacturing. Rather, it's something that I'm recognizing that I that I was not mindful of before, and. Um, and, and I, um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, except that in some respects it feels like we're cultivating the capacity to be more mindful of, more connected with the pain. That could actually go up because I see the pain of your losses is just like the pain of my loss. And then, of course, not you know, staying with it for the next 10 years by manufacturing suffering you know indefinitely as a result of it does that make sense well what makes sense is well yes that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, a part of generating understanding 
can occur when I say, okay, I use the word pain, and I made it synonymous with suffering. But if I take pain, I can say, well, it's physical pain, which I can't do anything about except take medication or painkillers or cure. But there's also mental pain. And what we're talking about is being able to look at life in a way that I am removed from the mental pain that I cause myself. And that part of that mental pain is having an attachment to a relationship with life that I consider privileged or special, that other people, I see other people going through, but I say, I don't want to go through that same thing. I want to live. I want to have family. I want to have friends, but I don't want to lose any of them. See? And life tells me that that wish just can't be granted because it happens all over the place and it's nothing personal. If I want my experience to be different from yours, but we're living in the same world, that's immaturity. I'm asking for some, I'm asking for trouble when I'm asking for my reality to treat me differently than my reality treats you. That's what we're talking about, that balance, that wisdom. Not that we won't miss our children, not that we won't have these spaces where we want them to be with us or still with us, that we hope that they're in a better place. But it's that expectation that mine won't die. But is there something wrong with, or is there something um, underdeveloped about that emotion that you experience at that moment of loss? The only thing that we're discussing is the fact that it doesn't have to occur. There's nothing wrong with it being there if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you want to be pained by the experience, then be pained by it. If you want to grieve, grieve, if that's what you need to do. But the... The awareness that's presented is, but you don't have to. And somehow, somehow we feel that we have to do that. You know, what we have to do is love people while we have them. You know, appreciate them while we have them. What we have to do is understand that lifespans are indeterminate. That everybody doesn't live to be 92. Some people live to be one. Some, some people live to be 101. Why that happens? Karma, you know, good health, good genes, many things. 
than this culture instead of a dangerous culture, war zone. But there are many reasons why there's that disparity in life. But the point is, it's there. So there's no guarantee that anyone is going to exist to a certain specific age. So my wanting it to be there is what causes my pain. My wanting it to be different is what causes my pain. My wisdom says, this is just life. Why am I paying? Why am I denying what is just an expression of truth? Okay? So, again, this is what two-year-olds do. You know, when the, when the waves come up and wash the sandcastle away, the two-year-olds cry. But if I know I build my sandcastle closer to the shore, then the waves are going to come up when the tide comes in and wash the sandcastle away. I can't complain about it because that's just a natural process. That's just due process. The wisdom We're always lamenting about wanting to understand what life is all about. But then when we get messages about what life is all about, some of them we reject. We don't like them. I don't, well, I don't like that. I'm not going to accept that. Well, that's going to give you pain. It's just telling you this is what life is. You know, bad people out there, drunk, drunk drivers out there, Terrorists out there, racists out there, bad people, nasty people, they're out there, good people are out there. You might encounter one or the other. What's your chances? Does it happen to me and not you? Well, it only not happens to me, but it happens to other people too. Walking down sidewalks, getting run over by trucks going into stores, getting blown up by bombs. What makes it happen? It happens. There is no such thing as an unnatural death. All deaths are natural. No, everybody doesn't die from an arrow. There are a thousand reasons why people expire. That's just life. Yes, Marcia? I agree with everything you're saying. But? (coughs) (laughs) But if some person, whether it be a, a best friend, a child, whatever, that I'm interacting with, dies, Mm -hmm. I'm going to really feel that pain of loss. I mean, I don't know how I would avoid that. I don't have to dwell on suffering, and I can say it's time to get on with life, but at that time, when that happens, I'm going to feel that pain of loss. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's that's, that's not what we're saying. This is not saying that you do a happy dance. That's not what this is about. 
But it's about saying that there's a wisdom that comes with understanding that this is a part of living. And with that, you don't tear your hair out. You don't stop eating. You don't stop working. You don't stop having relationships with all of the other people in your life. You don't shut them out because this happened. You know, we've heard, we, we have all personally known situations where a person has a loss and they just shut everybody else out their lives. They can't handle it. They don't want to be around anybody. That's pain, you know. That's, that's a way that people behave, but it doesn't have to be the way you behave. And the only way that you can resist the temptation to do that is to realize that this is just another part of the experience of life. Right? And then you can accept it. And this is what the, the practice is about. Accepting what is presented in reality. And therefore you don't experience the same angst, the, the same internal angst that you do when you can't accept it. That's, that's where the real pain comes in, when I don't accept. When I resist what's, what's occurring. So again, I'm trying to express to you that it is not the experience itself that causes the pain that we, we experience. It's not the experience that causes the pain. It's our reaction to the experience that causes the pain. So. But you can miss and you can still love. But it's the questioning about why me that causes the pain, the mental pain in the person. And the answer to why me is because why not you? It happens to everybody else, why not you? That's what wisdom tells us. Okay? All right. Anyone else? This is a sticky one. You know, death is a sticky one. Loss is a sticky one. Everything else we can sort of be okay with. But there's something about death that just is not digestible. To me, is all about becoming more genuine and, 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 and connecting to, you know, to, to, the, to the eternal, you know, and, and that, you know, and as you do that, you know, you, you become more full of love and compassion and all the, the wholesome um, states. Mm-hmm. And then, and uh, for some reason, the idea of encountering uh, death and not being moved uh, in a material way feels less human, uh, and, and, and maybe less of what 
I think I want to be, you know, I mean, it all, you know, most of it, it feels like, yeah, this is, this is taking me in a direction where I'm becoming more of the stuff that's really, uh, real, uh, compassion but, and love. Yeah. But, but to not, to not feel deep pain when someone dies feels like oh, I'm moving in the wrong direction here. <laughs> okay. You know, the, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. So then we get, we, we, we get into more wisdom and the more wisdom occurs when we start asking ourselves, well, what do I really mean? What do, what do, what, what does death mean to me? Does death mean annihilation? Or is this death another breath? Is this a change? So you've got to investigate, or you can investigate, what happens. Is there, is there any such thing as annihilation? Energy, which we all are at some level, can never be created nor destroyed. Just changed. But because water becomes ice, it appears that the water died, but there was just transformation. Can we live forever? No, not even in this lifetime are we forever being ourselves. We're always changing. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Because if we didn't, we'd all be still knuckleheads. <laughs> so it's a good thing. And we, and we embrace that. We embrace that good change, that transformation and ascension and going from, going from a uh, hateful, angry person to a loving, compassionate person. We accept that. Well, we're not the same person we were when we were an angry person. We don't have the same relationships we have with people when we were an angry person. We are changed. We are transformed. That person died. This person is alive. So we see it within our own cycle thousands of times. It's so subtle that we don't always recognize it. But the person we were born as, the person we grew up as, the person we were in our 20s, are not the same person we are now. Where is that person? It's not here. Where is it gone? I don't know. Can you find it? It's disappeared. And you go to funerals, and one, one side of the, the parlor hears a story of, what do, they, what do they call it when the person stands up and does a tribute? The eulogy, yeah. person gives a eulogy. And people over on this side are saying, who are they talking about? <laughs> because they knew the person then. Right? <laughs> no, that's not John. <laughs> right? But John died a long time ago. And there's somebody new now in the casket. When we understand that this is what we're talking about, we're talking about change. 
impermanence, but not annihilation. But therefore, we cannot talk about everlastingness either. That brings up more questions. Just a quick comment to Mark, and what that made me think of is um, through the practice, the things trying to cultivate, um, being like loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity is an important one. And I feel like that applies here. So just, you know, it's not that you're not feeling like as compassionate as you want to or downplaying that, but just learning to, no matter what presents itself, like to be able to come at it with with equanimity and not, not let it throw you off balance so much. So whether it's too much compassion or too much pain, you know what I mean? Like, and that that is an important point that's made um, like so if you're focusing on like you you really want to be generating compassion and just knowing that like there should be some limitations to that or you know, I don't know maybe you can try to think no it's your story okay. you're, no, doing, maybe you're doing good I'm tailing off that's all I've got <laughs> okay I'll um, I think uh, part of what ties in here, which is maybe implied, is that many of us um, haven't shared the value to the person who is no longer with us. That we, we, we feel guilty. I mean, yes, there's the loss, but a lot of it is that we wish we had done things differently before then. Mm. Yeah. So, when we're digging in the in the in the pile of garbage for wisdom, that's an important point to remember. That somehow we feel on an average day that we'll have another day to say I'm sorry or to say I love you or I appreciate you. But there's another sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya that's called the Divine Messenger. They call death the Divine Messenger. That doesn't sound like something to embrace, does it? Divine. But it tells us It puts us in touch with our immortality, the impermanence of life, and that there's no guarantee that we'll have tomorrow to make amends for today. So it informs us and it instructs us to live this day better, to live this day with love and compassion. It doesn't help the person who's dead when I'm loving them the day after. But the day, the day before they died, I was fussing at them and telling them they're no good. You know, you never amount to anything. You, you know, you're no value. I hate you. I wish you'd go to hell. You know, 
So the life experience teaches us that, yeah, I can take my time with you expressing those things. But I might not get time to clean them up. I might not get time to share with you the more compassionate and loving things that I also have to say to you. And so now, in understanding that, and that wisdom, which one am I going to share with you today? Am I going to yell at you and scream at you, or am I going to tell you that I love you, and that I forgive you, and that everything's okay? That I don't appreciate what you did, but I love you anyway. How am I going to conduct my relationship with you right now while I got you? Because I might not have tomorrow. And it's not that you might be gone. I might be gone. Well, see, that's, that's the wisdom of living, understanding how it really works. That on any given day, on any given moment of that day, there are many people who no longer exist for many reasons. Heart attacks, car wrecks, terrorist attacks, many reasons. But the point is, they were here today, they're gone tomorrow. And that will also happen to me. That's the part of looking at life and learning from life. You know, that, that whole denial thing that says, no, this is not going to happen to me. I'm going to live as long as I want to. I'm not going to die until I say I'm going to die. Well, that didn't work for anybody else. And it's ignorance to think that it's going to work for me. But when I learn and observe how life really is, then this guides me into how I can relate with life, how I can work with life. So if all of those things are meaningful to me, compassion and love, respect, then give it to you today because I don't know about tomorrow. That's wisdom. Yeah. Use every moment, every moment that you have, every moment that you're here to express how much you appreciate the people you appreciate. Don't wait to their birthdays or Christmas or the anniversary. Every day, every moment is an anniversary. That's all we're talking about. That's the wisdom of the understanding. Children think that it'll be forever after. That's what they think because that's what the stories tell them. They live happily ever after. Well, that's a fairy tale. But wise people know how it really happens. And again, that's not to talk about doom and gloom. It's not about doom and gloom. It's not about sadness and sorrow. It's about appreciating and embracing every moment you have and milking it for all of the goodness and joy that's contained in it. Not wasting one moment being angry with someone, hateful to someone, 
spiteful to someone, that if you have somebody out there that you love and you haven't told them that, go home and call them. Let them know. That's the point. That's the point. Live your life fully. Live it in compassion and love. That's the message. That this is the only moment you really have. This is the only moment that's guaranteed. This one. So hold hands. Yes, indeed. All right. Did we flip it? You know, I was just thinking when you said, generally speaking, most people don't get to choose when they're going to die, okay? I read recently about this professor, I think he was from Australia, he was a botanist or something like that, and my baby was 104, mm -hmm. and his life was deteriorating, and he flew to Switzerland, and he died when he wanted to die. Yeah. Well, you have... Exceptions. Well, you have examples of people with high states of awareness who know when they're going to die. And they can tell you, I'm going to die next Thursday. And they prepare, and they die next Thursday. But most of us are so insensitive that we don't receive the signals. But the body is always giving us signals. Life is always giving us signals. That's why we get better and better the older we get. Because that's one of the signals. So, all right. Love you, Deepa. Love you, too. <laughs> okay. So let's take some time to go inside and examine the contents of mind as to what faculties we need to cultivate and what we already have. You know, so we might already have faith, but do we have wisdom? Do we know that those two have to be yoked? That we can't have blind faith. We can't have faith in things that don't work. We can't have faith in things that when we look at the group that we have faith in, they're going in a whole different direction that we think life should be. You know, groups that talk about love, but practice hate and aggression against other groups. That's blind faith if you keep following that. Right? So there has to be a balance between faith and wisdom. There has to be a balance between energy and stillness. So there's a balance between effort and concentration or stillness. Those two have to be yoked and balanced. Mindfulness is like the hub of the wheel because I can't do any of those things if I have no awareness. If I'm not present, things will just shoot by. My mistakes will shoot by. My achievements will shoot by. I will not be aware of them. 
so mindfulness is the monitor that lets me know how my cultivation is going. But first of all, I just got to know what mental faculties are developed and what aren't. And I begin to appreciate where my struggles in life occur and why. You know, I, I blame life when I'm struggling. But it's really, I'm just looking at it from an immature. It's called, in most wisdom paths, they call it ignorant, but it's not really ignorance in the sense of ignorance. It's just immaturity. It's like children who think that life should be this way when life, as we know adults know, that life is not that way. Life is this way. So we understand the little bit we understand about life until we understand more. And then we really become grown up. We really become understanding. Not only of ourselves, and not only of our own lives, but we understand how others are suffering and how others are grieving. And so that's why we never tell them that if you want to grieve and be in pain, that that's wrong. It's not wrong. It's just the way they choose to do it. If it works for them, no, it might last for a year, but if that's what they need to do, I love them enough to let them do it. And I don't talk about them. I don't, I don't call them stupid or crazy. I let them have what they need to have, the salve that they need to have to get through what they got to get through. That's what compassion is. That's what love is. Okay. So let's take this little bit of time to go inside, see what's missing, and to ask any questions before we go, if you have any questions about how do you know what you got?
if you don't have an idea about what you need to do to cultivate any of the faculties, just ask. And we'll be glad to uh, share practices with you that will give you that ability. But, well, first of all, people who have been with me for many years know that one of the topics that I focus on a lot is loss, because this is one of the hardest things for people to deal with. And so what we want to do is to teach you how to deal with the things that is hardest for you to deal with in life. If you have thoughts in the head that say, why are they talking about that? Then that realize you know you have an aversion. That's something for you to investigate. Yes. I think it's sort of similar to what was being said earlier about knowing when you're dying. Mm-hmm. Is there a sense of knowing when you're not the annihilation of the, I don't know how to put this, but a sense of knowing that your sense of self, previous sense of self, is now going away and something new is coming, arising from that? And you feel loss? from that sensation? Hmm. Well, I think that most of us have an awareness when we're getting better at what we get better at, what we want to get better at. You know, when, when we're being kinder or gentler or more loving or more compassionate, more altruistic, we we have that sense of success because we realize that the way I reacted in the same or similar experience last Wednesday, I didn't do it today. That I acted more like I wanted myself to act today. And so therefore I realized that that person last Wednesday is starting to let their grip go on me and I'm becoming more like I wanted to be. Something different. Is that the? Is that what you're talking about? Okay. All right. I want to thank you all for your wisdom, for being here, for your presence, for your support. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.